So we're going to be looking at flesh management uh, in our discipleship series here. Uh, and I really believe we need to hear this message tonight. In Ephesians 4 and 1, the Bible says, Walk worthy of the calling uh, with which you were called. That you and I have a responsibility that we are to walk worthy of the calling in which we were called. And, uh, and I'm, I'm challenging you tonight because uh, if you're going to put a fish on your car and you're going to put a I love Jesus bumper sticker on your car and you're going to wear a t-shirt that says how much you love Jesus and that you're on your way to heaven, please, for the sake of the kingdom of God, check your attitude, check your character, check the way you walk, check the way you talk, check the things you watch. Come on now. Check the music that you listen to. Check the jokes that you tell. Don't bring up a reproach on the name of the Lord. That is better for you to be cold than to bring a reproach upon the name of the Lord. Live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. So if we're to walk worthy of the calling in which we were called, we've got to learn how to walk in that worthy way. And that is part of our discipleship as we come and we follow the Lord. How many of you remember the story in the Bible about Samson? Remember the story about Samson in the Bible? Well, the Bible says that Samson played with the call on his life. It's an example in the Bible to show us what not to do. He toyed with it, we see in the Scriptures. And uh, it, it, it was as though it was just part of him rather than this special anointing that God had placed on his life. He thought that when he popped those ropes that he thought that was him. He thought when he lifted those gates up off of the city and carried them up to the side of the mountain, it's almost as he thought that was him. He thought that he was the one that picked up the jawbone of that donkey and slew a thousand Philistines. He thought that was him. Sometimes God has to back off of our lives so that we can see what's him and see what's us. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord departed from Samson. The glory of the Lord departed from Samson. And the saddest, one of the saddest verses, I believe this in the Bible, and it says, and he knew it not. That the glory of the Lord lifted and he knew it not. Oh, that you and I would not become so unfamiliar with God and unfamiliar with his presence that if he was to back off, we wouldn't even notice it. Because let me tell you about God. The God that you and I serve, He wants to show off in these last days. He said He's going to show Himself mighty in these last days. He wants to make Himself known and He wants you and I to know that He alone is our Savior. He alone is the glorious God. He is a jealous God and we are to come before Him with no other gods. We're to worship Him and Him alone. He wants signs and wonders to be a part of the evidence of our lives as ambassadors of His kingdom here on earth. And He wants it to happen here. He wants it to happen in this building. He wants it to happen upstairs. He wants it to happen in the fellowship. He wants it to happen in the parking lot. He wants a miracle manifest of heaven to happen in your car, to happen out in the marketplace, to happen in your home. He wants no limitations to where He can manifest Himself strong and mighty hallelujah. hallelujah see he wants us to take this home with us and to make it a part of our everyday life that we every day are our living testimony of the glorious manifest of God in all of his splendor and all of his glory see Jesus wants to affect every part of our life 
in the marketplace, in our home, in the school, every place of our lives at work, Jesus wants to make a, an impact in and through our lives. But, but we just got to be drawn to, committed to following him. So as Brother uh, Joe was saying, and come and follow, as Jesus gave that command, he's still saying that to us tonight. Would you come and follow me? Would you leave everything else behind? Would you stop trying to, to merge your old life in with this new life? There needs to be a, a, a circumcision. There needs to be a cutting away of the flesh. We've got to deal with the flesh. Remember the prodigal. His life had fallen so far that he's on his knees filling his empty stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And I grew up on a farm and I fed some pigs. And I can tell you, you don't want to eat with the pigs. Come on now. And I believe the Lord shows us something in this uh, verse about the prodigal eating with the pigs. It's, see, you know you've fallen away when you can eat stuff that should make you sick. When you can participate in things that should turn your stomach as a child of God, but it doesn't seem to bother you. That's when you know you've fallen away. What have you been eating on? What have you been putting into your body and putting into your mind? What have you been allowing this flesh to take and participate in? Let me tell you what, we need some flesh management and if we're not careful, we'll be with the prodigal. If we're not careful, we'll be with Samson and the glory of the Lord will be departed and we will not even recognize that His presence is lifted off of us. So we are to walk worthy of the calling to which we were called. Galatians 5 and 16 tells us, I say then, walk. How are we to walk? Walk in the Spirit. Walk, big capital S, Spirit. We're to be Holy Spirit led. Holy Spirit empowered. We were birthed as a church by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot deny the Holy Spirit. We should not quench the Holy Spirit. We should not squelch the Holy Spirit. We should not turn our backs on the Holy Spirit. We should not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Godhead, God Himself in Spirit, is here. And He's saying, you've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill this lust of the flesh. Let me tell you what, the lust of the flesh will lead you down Samson's path. The lust of the flesh will lead you down the prodigal son's path. And he gives a story after story throughout the Bible showing us when we walk according to the flesh, what will happen to us. And the reason we must learn to walk in the Spirit and not according to the lust of the flesh is because our inheritance is the kingdom of God. And he goes on in verse 17 to tell us, for the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Look at this verse. And these are contrary to one another. They're on the opposite ends. They are not seeking the same goal. They're not going after the same thing. So he says, if you keep walking according to the flesh, you're not going to do the things that you wish that you would do, and you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on in this uh, chapter to tell us that if you keep walking according to the lust of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I am taking my inheritance. 
I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to serve God. When he said, come and follow me, I knew he meant it, and I meant it as well. And if he was willing to go to Calvary for me, I'm going to go to heaven for him. Hallelujah. And I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. And that should be your declaration as well. But we must understand that there is this uh, trinity that we have to deal with. And we have our flesh realm, we have our soulish realm, and we have our spirit realm. Now, our flesh realm, the Bible says, wants to drive in the driver's seat. But the Bible says for us who are born again, we must allow the spirit to begin to drive in the driver's seat. And the one who's going to decide who's in the driver's seat is your soul. So your soul is making the decision. And before you were born again, all, you, all your soul listened to was the influence of the flesh. Because your spirit man was dead. That's why we had to be born again. That which we had to be, uh, uh, all things became new to us. Because the old was dead. It's, oh, we were dead. When Adam and Eve sinned, they, he said, you'll surely die. The spirit man died. But God had a resurrection plan for the spirit man, just like he has a resurrection plan for the flesh as well in the end. But we're not there yet. Jesus is the first fruit from the grave. Our bodies have not been glorified yet. So we cannot let our bodies drive the course, you might would say, of our life. It cannot make the decisions. <clears throat> but it's always influencing our soulish man. Because we see here, let's just do a little study here on the flesh, the soul, and the spirit. See, the, the flesh is not saved. It is, it is yet fallible. It is yet... Uh, you can stump your toe and it will hurt. You can, you can find that there are some moles and warts and there may be some uh, sagging skin. There is, you're fighting, you're fighting a, a battle that the flesh is undergoing. We're in, we're in this warfare, we talk, we talk about it in that way. And we know that it's appointed unto man once to die. So what we, we're doing is trying to keep this flesh as healthy and healed and, and usable for the time that God has appointed for us on earth. For we know there is a time appointed for man once to die, but we know that God is not through with this body at that point. And even though we die and that body goes into the grave to be absent from the Lord is to be uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, our spirit man immediately is with the Lord. But the Bible says there's coming a day at the twinkling of an eye that there's going to be the, the, the call from heaven, a trumpet sound. And it says, The dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we know there's no soul sleep and they're not in paradise or they're not in upper Hades of all the Old Testament teaching. Jesus came and opened that up because they couldn't go before the Father without the blood of Jesus. The blood of a goat and the blood of a dove couldn't get them before the, uh, uh, heaven in, before the Father, but the blood of Jesus could. Hallelujah. So all the saints of the old that were in paradise or in that upper Hades that Jesus went into upper Hades or hell and, and set the captives free and took them into the very presence of the Father. We know now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So our soul is not sleeping somewhere. It is in the presence of the Lord. But God has a plan for this body and if we have uh, fulfilled our assignment appointed unto man once to die and this body has died... Or in this war that we're in where Satan's trying to kill, steal, and destroy and the enemy took out our body, let me tell you what, God has resurrection stored up for this body and glorification. 
But until then, we must know, as we're fighting a war in the spirit realm, we're also fighting in the fleshly realm, because that's where the spirit is trying to manifest. So in this flesh realm that is not yet saved, it has a world conscious because it's the vehicle that we're operating in in this world. See, we are spirit, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Okay, this is our vehicle that we are doing ministry and doing life with here on earth, and God's going to use it even in eternity in its glorified state. But until then, it has a world conscience. It has the five senses that, that uh, it is ruled by these fleshly appetites. Our, our appetites speak. They have a, have a voice. You get hungry. I know your stomach starts speaking to you, but you get grouchy. You act like you're, you get weak. You act like you can't think anymore. Some of you act like you're about to die if you get a little bit hungry when those fleshly appetites start ramping it up and you're ready to shut down everything until you can get some food in. Now, there is some legitimacy to that, that we, do, we are living on the fuel of the food that we eat. But look at this flesh. It is uh, always talking to us. It is always trying to give its desire. Go to the next screen, please. And uh, the, Well, let's move into the third, uh, second one here, the soul, before we get into the details of the flesh. Look at the soul. The soul, the Bible says, is being saved. You know when the Scriptures are talking about being saved? And you're like, wait a minute, I thought I am saved. Well, it's talking about your soulish realm, your mind, your will. Your mind is being renewed by the Word of God. That's how your, your mind comes into alignment with the will of God is it has to be renewed by the Word of God and your mind, your emotions, your conscience, your experiences, your past, that would be the area of your soul. This is the decision-making part of your life. So the soul is going to make the decision in how you're going to walk, whether you're going to walk worthy or you're going to walk unworthy to your calling. And then he tells us there is the spirit. And when you got saved, your spirit man is born again. It is perfect. It is your God conscience. Your soul is your self-conscience. Your spirit is your God conscience. And you were created. When your spirit man is born again, there is, a, there is an innate desire in there to worship. Uh, there is this delight in worship and yearning for the Holy Spirit's direction. The, the spirit man is amazing. But what the problem is, is you've lived most of your life until salvation. You didn't even know you had a God conscience. You didn't even know you had a spirit man. It was dead. It was not speaking. So your soul learned to take its instructions from your flesh. It, it learned to listen. It got hardwired to your flesh. So when your flesh says, I'm hungry, well, we better stop and eat. Well, I want to do so-and-so. Well, that, you know, you would think, well, that's not right. That's violating the will of God. And, and your flesh, I don't care. That's what I want. I see, I lust, I want. And, and, and you do it. And you go after it. You're used to doing that uh, with that, with that self-conscious, uh, soulish realm, leaning on the, or listening to the loud voice of the flesh. But when you get saved again, when you get saved, the Bible says now there's a conflict. The Bible says that this spirit man rises up, empowered and led by and created by God, your spirit man starts saying, no, that is not pleasing to the Lord. No, that is not good for the creative order of which God has placed you here on earth. No, and you're not used to hearing a no. 
And the spirit is saying no. And the flesh says, I've always done it this way. Yes. And the Bible says there's this great conflict that is going on between the spirit and the flesh. And here Paul writes to us and says, if you continue to listen to the flesh and let the flesh influence your soul to make decisions that are not according to the will of God, it's going to cause you to walk out of the kingdom of God. You're going to be like Samson. You're going to be like the prodigal son. You're going to be, like, you're going to be walking away from God's will rather than walking in God's will. You're going to be walking away from the power of God rather than walking in the power of God. You'll be, you'll be finding yourself eating with the pigs and get, coming to the lowest place in life. So there's this warfare that is going on and Paul says you've got to learn what's happening here and you've got to stop walking by the flesh and you've got to start walking by the Spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh so that you can keep your inheritance of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So these are three things that are going on and that's what Paul is talking about. Looking back at the flesh, we see how the flesh works. He's always talking. He's got, he's got words for everything. He's got, he knows everything. You ever met somebody who's a know-it-all? Well, your flesh is a know-it-all. Your flesh knows everything that's right for you. It says, oh, I, can make, I can get by with this. I can do this. I can drink this poison and destroy my cells and destroy my brain and destroy my, my liver. I can drink it, but I'll be okay. I can smoke this here and, and go crazy for a little while, but you know, when I come back to earth, I'll, everything's going to be okay. It'll tell you that you can run off with this person or run off with that person and violate your marriage covenant or tell you you don't even need a marriage covenant. You just go and have fun. If it feels good, does it? That flesh always got words, always talking. And, and before you got saved, you had the tendency, unless you had a very, very strong-voiced mama or grandmama or granddaddy or daddy that was speaking against it, you became very, very comfortable with following its whims and, and its ways. A lot of uh, kids get out of high school and they go to college and when they get to college there's no mom or no daddy or no pastor or no one saying, there's no other voice and now they hear just the voice and maybe they're not saved and man, that flesh, they, you see some of the stuff they do. It's so shameful that they don't even want to talk about it even when uh, I counsel with them in their 50s and 60s and 70s and we go back to college and they don't want to talk about the things they did and participated in college. The flesh always got a talk, always got a word. He, he's giving you the desire, saying you want to do this. It's going to feel good. It's going to be great. And then there's another part of you who says, but you know there's consequences. And he says, who cares about the consequences? The good of it and the greatness of it is going to be greater than the consequences of it. He's a liar. He goes after the things he wants, the flesh. He just has appetites. He can do everything after, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he just wants you to do anything. No limitations. Uh, let me tell you what, that's why when you get saved, the flesh can still do what you used to do. You get saved and you can still dance just like you used to dance. You can still smoke just like you used to smoke. You can drink like you used to drink. See, you know, I've, I've seen people get saved and still got the world all in them. And that's where the church came up with this theology through the scripture of a reckoning ourselves dead indeed unto Christ and alive unto Him, and dead indeed to the works of the flesh, and dead indeed unto uh, that, that, that sinful nature uh, called a sanctification. 
saying, I got to come to the place. I got to make a decision. Now that I'm saved, I've got the spirit man talking and I've got the flesh still talking. Am I going to keep doing what the flesh is telling me to do? Or am I going to start doing what the spirit is telling me to do? I've got to make a decision. And then Paul says, you've got to come to the place. You're torn. You're doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do what you're doing. And he said, you've got to come to the place. You've got to reckon yourself indeed dead unto yourself, unto that flesh. And say, now for me to live, I'm going to live for Christ. Because let me tell you what, the holy, I mean, this flesh, you don't want the flesh picking your spouse. You don't want the flesh telling you where to go. You don't want the flesh uh, telling you how to spend your money. You don't want the flesh telling you what friends to hang around. You don't want the flesh telling you where to work. Because let me tell you, he'll have something to say on all of them, I'm telling you. But let me tell you what, he will lead you into the paths of destruction. He will lead you out of your inheritance. He will lead you out of kingdom power and kingdom principles and kingdom purpose. And, and how many of you been? How many of you know what the flesh sounds like? Oh, praise God! I got somebody in here with me. I thought if I started talking about the flesh, you guys were going to have a quick bathroom break, and it was just going to be over. The flesh would tell you your bladder has got to do something here, and you would have just walked right out. Thank God, you know what the flesh sounds like. And you're not going to obey the flesh. And then in the soulish, our soul is where our mind, will, emotions, and conscience, and experience, and our past. He's the one that makes the decision. And he determines the course of our life. So we must, we must know how to uh, have the soulish man or woman. You know, I'm just using man as a, as a general term here. We, we have to learn how to have our soulish uh, person influenced by the spirit rather than the flesh because on the spirit side Romans 7 tells us now you now delight in the law of God in the inner man if you'll go to the next slide you'll see that you now delight in the law see that verse uh, chapter 7 of Romans you delight in the law of God in the inner man talking about the spirit man that once you get born again you now have a desire to live right. You have a desire to change. You have a desire to go back and make amends. There's just something woke up in you. Hallelujah. Now you have this desire to follow God, desire to study His Word, desire to go to church, desire to worship Him. So, so he's telling us here that our real life is hidden in Him. Our real life is hidden in Christ, in the anointing. That's where our real personhood is. This is who I really am. My spirit is alive. This is my eternal being. This is who God has created me to be. Hallelujah. So what we have to say once we get born again is now things are going to change. We're no longer going to let the flesh drive us anymore. We're going to reckon ourselves dead. The flesh is going to learn to be disciplined because I still need the flesh. The flesh has its purpose, but it is not to rule and reign. It is to be disciplined. That's why we become disciples. We're exercising discipline. I've said it so many times. If you have a playground and you have no fence, you have a very dangerous situation. But if you have a fence and no playground, you got a prison. But if you take a playground and put a fence around it, your four and five-year-olds can run and play and slide and swing. And even though cars may be passing by, they're safe. 
Well, that's what we have to do. We have to say our flesh is not something that is bad and evil and we need to torture it and punish it as many throughout uh, church history we find they tried to, to get the flesh under control that way. Some monks would even take and, and go naked out in the wilderness and in the swamps and let the mosquitoes and the bugs eat on them for, for a month just out there fasting and being tortured by the, the elements and tortured by... And it was, they were saying, I'm trying to get this flesh under control. Well, let me tell you what, there's not enough mosquito bites in the world to get your flesh under control. Let me just tell you that. What you have to do is what Paul teaches us in the Word of God is not put your flesh on a fast and there's nothing wrong with fasting to remind the flesh that there's a fence here and you've got limitation and you appetite of food, you're not going to control me. You're not going to lead me into obesity. You're not going to lead me uh, uh, to being driven by the appetite of my stomach. You're not in control here. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, temporary fasting for that. Nothing wrong with temporary fasting of television or fasting of whatever else. To say, this is not going to control my life because the flesh, you're not in the driver's seat. But Paul tells us in how, in how we can uh, conquer and live and walk that worthy walk according to our calling is to walk by the Spirit. That we're walking in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you have these two folks living on the inside of you and they cannot stand each other. Your flesh cannot stand your spirit and your spirit's not going to stand for letting your flesh get by with what it wants. Because you will always have two responses to every decision that you make. There will be these two responses. There are two responses to every situation you find yourself in. And there are two voices every time you have to draw a conclusion. As a Christian, you have to understand that. There's a third voice. It could be the enemy for sure. But you've got these two internal voices. And it's going to be your spirit man speaking and your flesh man speaking. And your spirit man is trying to win over the soul so the soul will make the decision to do that which is pleasing to the Lord and walking a, walk in a way worthy of your, a, a, according to your walk. And then the flesh is trying to speak to your soul to get you to just get it happy and get it momentarily uh, puffed up and titillated or whatever it wants for its few moments of pleasure and then uh, a lifelong of pain that comes after, after that. And if you don't understand this, you get confused and you call it a spirit of confusion. And it's not a spirit of confusion. I'm here to tell you, God is not the author of confusion. It's not a spirit of confusion. It's your flesh. And the Bible specifically teaches about it and its voice. And it is your spirit. And the Bible specifically talks about it and its voice. And they're never going to tell you the same thing. They're contrary to each other, the Bible says which means they contradict each other. How many of you have ever faced a decision and within yourself you heard contradicting voices? You know, even the cartoons and uh, some of the comedies on television put the angel on one shoulder and the, they put it you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an appropriate thing. It's a picture of you as an angel on one shoulder and you as the devil on the other shoulder. And the two are saying, yeah, do it. No, don't do it. You should go ahead. No, you should not. You should dive in. No, you should withhold. And, and the two are going on there. Well, that is so true. And that's why we need to hear the Word of God teaching us on things just like this. Because we, we need to be careful where we go. Listen to me. You need to be careful where you go. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
there are atmospheres that bring the best out, you might would say, of each one of them. So you've got to be careful who you hang with and let, who you let speak into your life. Because there are some people who will appeal to your flesh. Who are you listening to speaking to you? And let me tell you what, the flesh loves them. The flesh says, this is your best friend. They're saying just what you want to hear. They really are stirring you up and making you feel justified that you're really upset and angry and why you need to go tell somebody off or why you need to quit or tell your employer to take this job and shove it. And man, they get you just all feeling really good in the flesh. There are some folks, though, that will bring out the best of your spirit. Come on now. I pray those are the ones around you here tonight where the atmosphere that you're in, your spirit begins to thrive and your spirit's voice has a louder voice than your flesh's voice. But there are other atmospheres where your flesh thrives and it has a louder voice than your spirit voice. Come on now. So the question should be, this, this you might would say man in the middle, this soul. Our soulish rim, the one that is making the decision to say we're going to go right or left, we're going to go forward or we're going to hold back, or we're going to give this or we're going to take that. The decision maker, the one who has to be influenced by the spirit or the flesh. So what we need to do is we need to get this soul saved. The Bible says, you know, uh, as, as I'm being saved, that this renewing of the mind of our, uh, of our minds where our soulish realm finds its base, the decision maker finds its base. So let's just take some moments here tonight and deal with the soul because the soul is going to make the ultimate decision whether we're going to go with what the spirit is saying or whether we're going to go with what the flesh is saying. So when Paul says... Don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you'll inherit the kingdom of God rather than forfeit the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? The decision maker, the ones that's helping make that call as to walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh is the soul. So I think we need to give some attention to the soul here tonight because uh, uh, where we're headed is up to the soul. Now, if I want to steer my life in the right direction, I couldn't just have gotten saved back in 1982 when I did and just forgot it, right? 1982, I got saved, gave my life to God. I couldn't have just said, this is a one-time experience and, and I'm just going to go from here and tell everybody I'm saved now and everything's going to be okay. I had to learn to deal with my soul because I still had the flesh wanting me to go the way of the flesh and I had then this new voice of the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God in my spirit man, saying, no, this is not right. No, this isn't pleasing to the Lord. No, this isn't what God's called you to. And, 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 and I was torn between the two, so I had to learn to deal with my soulish realm. Because thank God my spirit man's alive, has been renewed and reborn. Praise God, I'm born again. But... If I don't learn to listen from my soulish realm to what this new voice of the Spirit is saying in me, and I continue to listen to the flesh, it sabotages, sabotages my calling. How I many of you have ever met Christians that have done things and participated in things and gotten involved in illicit affairs and, and in financial scandals and, and all kinds of lies and other things that you were like, how in the world could a Christian do this? And it sabotaged their calling. 
They were once a leader in this area of, of maybe of the Scripture, whether it was on prayer, or whether it was on healing, or whether it was on whatever. And now folks don't even want to listen to them. And then those who, would by their grace and mercy, will listen to them. There's just no punch there. There doesn't seem to be the power there anymore. Let me tell you what, the flesh will cause you to lose so much. So let's learn to deal with this soul here so the soul knows who to listen to so that we can learn to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Turn to James chapter 1. Now, James is not so much theological as it is blunt and to the point. Okay? If any of you ever read the book of James, you know there's no punches hold here. There's, I mean, it is just right down. This is it. And, and we need to hear it this way. Uh, James will tell you to shut your mouth and, and talk right. Okay? Walk right and treat others right. Uh, he, he's one of those that will almost say, if you don't do it God's way, you're going to hell. You know, <laughs> you're going to turn, turn or burn. You didn't quite do it that way, but it's kind of with that punch there. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, of his own will he, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So what he's saying right here is says, by the will of God, God calls us by spirit to be born again out of word. We are born out of word. Think about that. As you think of the word. Now we know that the Bible is the word, but we know that Jesus is the word. And we know that the word created the world and the word was, was, was is, and will always be. Amen? Well, you were born out of the Word of God. That's where your spirit man was born from. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And that word chose comes from the Greek words, which is basic. When you take that Greek word and look at its base word, it is the Word. It is the Word. So we were chosen out of the Word. You thought you came from your mommy and daddy, but really and truly you came out of him. Your spirit man, now your flesh was born that out of your mommy and daddy. But he's talking about your spirit man here was born out of him. God pulled us out of himself and has given us the spirit of Christ and the spirit of life that we have. So you got to listen to this. You got started out of a word. And the way God starts you is how your life is going to continue because everything in your life will come the same way. Everything that comes out of you that you, God wants us to go into will be birthed out of word. Look at verse 19 of what he goes on to say here. He says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So if you got to get a word in order for something to be birthed, you can't get a word if you're the one talking all the time. Now remember, one of the characteristics of the flesh is the flesh always has something to say. The flesh always has a comment. The flesh always has a comeback. The flesh has plenty words. But that talking will keep you from hearing and receiving the word that God has for your spirit. I remember one time Kim the Copeland, he tells the story where he was begging God for a word. 
God, give me a word. God, I need a word. You know, he was traveling around and he was preaching. He had so much demand on him. He said, God, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. And God told him, why is it, Kenneth, that every time we get together, it's the fool who does all the talking? Now, I don't know if God said it exactly that way, but that's how that Texan interpreted it, uh, and that's how he shared it. But it, it has a lot of truth to it. Listen to me. As much as we need to discipline our speech, we must also discipline our ears to hear. So we need to learn to stop talking so much, and we need to learn to listen to not what the devil is saying, and not what our flesh is saying, but we need to learn to tune in. And i got a series on called Frequency. Tune into what the Spirit of God is saying to our spirit man because that's why. Remember when the church was birthed? What was it that they were characterized by in the Word of God among all those thousands of people? It says there came a sound from heaven and there was fire as a tongues, cloven tongues that set upon each of them and they all began to what? Speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. There is a divine language that God has for our spirit man and it showed up on the day the church was birthed. When the spirit man is born again, when it is birthed, when it is no longer dead but alive, it has a direct link to God with a language that edifies or builds up the spirit man so that the spirit man can now speak to our soulish realm and our soulish realm will make the decisions not based on history of what the flesh had been dominating and the flesh had been controlling the situation, but now it listens to what the spirit is saying that is empowered and taught and instructed by the spirit of God so that now we can go God's way and Paul says when you learn to walk in the spirit then you stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh the lust of the flesh is over there crying and pouting and learns that pouting and crying doesn't work anymore and it says okay I'm a, I'm a temple now of the Holy Ghost I am to be an instrument of righteousness and it packs up it pouts a little while it pooches out its lips but then it begins to carry the, the ambassador of heaven which is you here on earth to fulfill the purpose and the calling that God has pulled out of himself and given unto you in creative order so that you as sons and daughters and, and, and the royal priesthood might now advance the kingdom of God here in our time. Hallelujah. See, there is something God wants to birth in our life and it comes to us by a word. We see in James 1.20 and following, he says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, what? The implanted word which is able to save what? Your souls. Is able to save your souls. The implanted word. Jesus taught a parable and he said the parable, this is how the kingdom of God operates. If you get this parable, you get how I'm setting up my kingdom. He said, if you don't get it, you're not going to get how I'm setting up my kingdom and you're not going to function in it properly. A farmer went out and sowed seed. Some fell by the wayside. Some fell on thorny soil. Some fell on rocky soil. Some fell on good ground. The which, that which in the good ground brought up 30, 60, and 100 full uh, 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 crop. 
That which was on the wayside, the birds of the air, came and took it and, and, and robbed it and ate it. And that which was on thorny soil, that was preoccupied and didn't give full allegiance to the seed, uh, it sprouted up, but it could not sustain uh, the battles that came against it, the sun scorching on it. And that which was on the rocky soil, it couldn't make it because there was the rocks there and it could not find root. He said, if you understand this, and the, and the disciples said, Jesus, they pull him aside, said, man, we need to understand this, don't we? And Jesus said, you do. He said, well, could you explain it? Could you break it down for some fishermen folk, okay? And Jesus said, okay, I'll break it down. The seed is the Word of God. The Word of God, the implanted Word which saves your souls. The implanted Word, you've got to get it implanted. It can't lay on the surface. It can't uh, uh, serve preoccupied soil with thorns and thistles. And, it can't, and if there's hard soil there, it needs to be broken up. You've got to break it up and get the stones out because it's got to go into good soil. And the devil knows that if you get the seed implanted, the word implanted in you, that your soulish man will have ears to hear what the spirit is saying rather than what the flesh is saying. And even though your soulish man has so all these years leaned on the voice of the flesh, it will begin because of this implanted word, it saves the soul. It, 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 it rights the wrong of the soul. It rewires the soul so that the soul now will listen to the spirit man so you can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you can inherit the kingdom of God. But you got to get the implanted word. Satan doesn't want that. So he's immediately waiting, and if there's any seed, if there's any word that he can come and steal from you, he's going to immediately do it. And he says, that wayside, or that seed did not penetrate because of a lack of understanding. That's what Jesus said. So when we have a lack of understanding, it's, it's like we've got a hard head, and the seed of God's Word can't penetrate and get into the, the, our soulish realm so that we get understanding. And that understanding, that Word will do the work. The Word works where you allow the Word to work. But you've got to get the Word there. And if the seed never gets into good soil, it can't germinate and bring forth the fruit. So he says we need understanding. And I pray that's what God is helping us receive here tonight. Understanding of spirit, soul, and body and how we need flesh management and how we need to deal with the soul. Amen? The implanted Word, actually, if you'll take and study that phrase there, the implanted Word, it means the Word that sticks. The one that sticks. In other words, the only Word of God that's going to help you is the Word of God that sticks with you. Amen? So the Word that is in your head can't save you. Come on now. The Word that saves you is the Word that got past your head and gets into your heart. Gets through the computer and to the heart of where our faith and our belief system is. That's the Word that sticks and the word that sticks is the word that's going to change you. It's the word that's going to transform you. It's the word that's going to liberate you. It's the word that's going to free you up. It's the word that's going to cause you to walk in anointing and power. So you can have a head knowledge of anointing, but you can't make, you can't, you can't part uh, mosquitoes flying at you. 
And you're wanting an anointing to part the Red Sea. But you can't part the, the, the screen net that you've got up on your screen door. You can't part the shower curtain because you've got just a head knowledge. It's got to become the word that sticks, that it causes a supernatural calling and deposit of God to begin to, to rise up and then, then it's come flowing out of you in such a way that others are drawn to it for whatever the anointing is for. You can't make it happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? When God wants to get something pregnant, He doesn't use it, He doesn't do that by His mouth. Okay? He doesn't use His, I mean, He doesn't use His body, He uses His mouth. Let me say it that way. Think of it this way. In Luke chapter 1, when the angel came to... You remember that Gabriel came to Mary? And said and spoke what? The Word of God to her. And says, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And he shall call, you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And she says, how is this going to be? I, I, I'm for it, but you tell me what I need to do to participate. And he says, you need to receive this word. A man never touched her. A man never touched her. But the anointing of the anointed one was implanted in her. The word was implanted in her. And God used Gabriel, the angel that he used as a messenger angel, or he who would bring forth the voice of God, and he spoke what God said. I believe God wants to birth something in you. Every one of you. And when God wants to birth something in you, he uses seed. And the word of God is his seed. Hallelujah. And he deposits his word in you, and you get pregnant with what God has implanted in you, and, you're, and you get positioned to give birth to something that God wants in this world, in this earth at this time. I am so tired of hearing people talk about, uh, I, you know, I, I never get pregnant. I'm so tired of hearing pe stuff called preaching that, that never leaves us pregnant. I'm, I'm just tired of going from place to place and, and, and never seeing anyone pregnant in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Or pregnant in the soul, really. Uh, it just makes you weary. They're just kind of like lull and lackadaisical. And, and, and I believe, and, and I'm, I'm asking God, help me, because I want to be a part of, of, of bringing forth the Word that causes the Word of God to get through the, the wayside, to get through the hard place in your life, to get beyond the thorns and the thistles of your life, and to get through some broken up soil that the rocks have been removed. There may be some things you need to get out of your life so that we could get some Word and some good soil and we could start seeing 30, 60, and 100 fold uh, 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 multiplication in the kingdom of God. And I know that the advancement of the kingdom of God is not on my shoulders, it's on His shoulders. And I know that the anointing is not mine to control, it is His to give out. But I know that the way God works in getting a word implanted in us that saves our soul and gets our soul now leaning towards the Spirit rather than the flesh is the Word of God. So I'm committed my life to preach the Word of God. 
to teach the Word of God. To, to Our praise songs need to praise God using the Word of God. We need to minister one to another with the Word of God. Not what I think, but what does God say? What does the living Word say? Because the living Word can come in a dead situation and cause resurrection to take place. The living Word can come into a bound up situation and cause deliverance to take place. The living Word can come into a place that is dried up and barren and cause water, rivers of water and life to flow. And that's what I want to see coming out of Christian embassy is the rivers of living water that is rising up and flowing out of us because we have the implanted Word of God that has saved our soul and now our soul that makes the decision is saying, I'm, I'm going to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Flesh, you're not calling the shots anymore. My spirit man that is communicating spirit to spirit in the prayer language of heaven uh, and is getting downloads and understanding beyond the limitations uh, of my mind, uh, I need to hear and move according to what the Spirit is saying and where the Spirit is saying, going. even if I don't understand it, I'm not going to limit God because I can't wrap my mind around it. For God is bigger. He is greater. He is higher. He is more powerful than anything I could think or even imagine. So why am I going to dumb Him down when He's choosing to speak Spirit to Spirit, Holy Spirit to my Spirit, but I've got to learn to get my soul saved. So now my soul says, I'm doing what you say, Spirit, rather than what you say, flesh. Somebody say amen. We are not going to have a spirit of owning in this house. Just some jumping and shouting and, and people, you know, you, you know, the world can jump and shout. I, we're not going to have just some running around and, and, and spiritual talk and there's nothing wrong with jumping and shouting and there's nothing wrong with running around. But I'm telling you what, we're going to have some substance because we have an implanted Word of God that is literally bringing the salvation of our soul, the, the turning of our soul, the wholeness of our soul, that our soul now knows I'm leaning on the Spirit. And my spirit man is leaning on the Holy Spirit. That's how God started the church and that's how the church is going to end. Hallelujah. The Word. The Word. The engrafted Word. The implanted Word. The rooted Word. The Word that sticks. That will save your soul. John James 1.21 says. And boy, when you get a saved soul, you're born again, and you're, you know what? You, you're, you start walking away from the old habits. If you don't, and you let the flesh continue to control, you got new wine and old skin. Wine skins. You've got to learn. You've got to learn. You've got to turn. You gotta learn, you gotta turn to the spirit man. Now we're not gonna deny the flesh, and we're not gonna try and kill the flesh and deny the flesh, you know, its livelihood because it needs water, it needs drink, it needs glucose, it needs food, it doesn't need cigarettes, it doesn't need alcohol, it doesn't need marijuana, it doesn't need cocaine, it doesn't need, you know, crack, it doesn't need heroin, it doesn't need those things. Those things damage it. Those things are like putting sand in your oil and, and it's ripping out the rings and, and it may be, you may get by a little while, but you're going to start, you're going to, your life's going to start smoking and you're going to lose combustion and eventually it's going to kill you. We got to take care of this flesh. That means it can't overeat because I need you. You have a purpose in all of this and you have an eternal purpose. 
But your purpose on earth is I am to exercise discipline over you and you can't call the shots. Because the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh, come on now, and the pride of life, come on. That's how the enemy gets in. So we got to learn to walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we do this by getting the imparted Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, holding to the Word of God. See, the Word of God that you receive may be contrary to what you're seeing. I'll say it this way. Most of the time, the Word of God you receive is going to be contrary to what you see. Because the Word implanted in you is to bring about change about that which you see. Come on. So if we learn to listen to the voice of what we see in the flesh, and we're walking by the flesh, that faith man in us is never engaged. And it's impossible to please God without faith. You cannot walk in the pleasure of God's plan without faith. It takes faith to walk into the fulfillment of what He has. So we have to learn that this soulish man has to have the implanted Word of God. we got to see to it that we're sitting under the, 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 the teaching of, of the Word of God that comes forth to be implanted in our lives. There's a farmer that's sowing the seed. And you can have your own gardens as well. You have that responsibility to study the Word yourself. Did you know that? It's what the Reformation was all about. So you could study the Word of God in your language for yourself. And we get the Word of God, the engrafted Word of God, the implanted Word of God. And the Word of God is the same Word that the angel said, Virgin, you're going to have a child. And it's going to be the Son of God. And the anointing of heaven is going to come through your womb without the touch of a man. And you're going to call His name Jesus because when He's born and He's raised, He's in His veins flowing the blood that shall save the sins of, of the world. You've got to steward that. And she said, be it unto me according to what you've said. I receive it. And the Word was implanted. And the Word began to grow. Until what? The Word was greater. What was in on the inside of her was greater than, than the outside. And she couldn't hold on to it anymore. And she had to give birth to it. And then He came and that Word grew. And literally has changed the world. He says the same is true with you. You get an implanted word. I have a calling. I have an anointing. I have a purpose. I have a plan. There's a reason you're here. And the word in you, even though you can't see it, will begin to, to grow in you. And, and you'll be pregnant with it to the place you can't hold on to it anymore. You'll be like the lady that, that, that Dr. Wings says, don't push now, don't push. And, and she said, what you mean don't push? If you felt what I'm feeling right now, there ain't nothing I can do but push. Because what's in me is coming out. And your day of coming out will be. And that anointing will be birthed. And you'll then steward that anointing. And you'll have raised that anointing. And you'll have given direction to that anointing. Let me tell you, every one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1 and 3, he says, I'm upholding all things by the word of my power. All things. The psalmist said in Psalms 119, 130, he says, the entrance of your words give light. Will you receive the word of God? First, God says, I love you. God says, I've called you. God says, I've appointed unto you a purpose and a destiny. Will you receive that tonight? 
You say, well, I'm, I'm at this place on the chronological calendar of time. I'm telling you, Moses didn't even start leading the children of Israel out of Egypt until he was 80 years old and then spent 40 years in the hot desert. But at 120, he came to the fulfillment of his purpose and he climbed the mountain and the Lord took Moses. Until it's your time to be taken into the heavens by the Father. You've got a purpose. So let's not use age. Let's not use past experiences. Let's use the Word of God. Would you receive it tonight that God, here's a word that God has for you, that God has a plan that will literally save mankind. There's a plan of salvation that's going to save. may not be like Billy Graham saving thousands, but it may be like the man who saved Billy Graham, got him saved. And he saved you. Come on now. Maybe that, maybe that having coffee with someone and you're sharing, you're sharing your experience, your testimony in Jesus with them and their lives are turned around and that young man or that young woman goes on to be used by God to, to win millions of people. You don't know. You don't know. And it's not for us to know all that's going to happen. All we got to know is God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Will you receive that word tonight? Not let the fowl of the air steal it. That I know as long as I take a breath, God has me here for a reason. The reason I'm able to get up. The reason I'm able to see. The reason I'm able to, to move around. The reason I'm able. He's, he's got a purpose for me. I receive that. God, I receive your purpose. I receive your anointing that comes with the calling. Because when he tells us to walk worthy, the calling that he's called us to do, there's an anointing for that calling. God, I receive that anointing in my life. And Lord, I want to steward it. And I want my, from this day forward, I'm going to now know that I've got to let my spirit be built up. I've got to pray in the spirit. Paul says, when I pray in the spirit and I sing in the spirit, my spirit man is built up because there's this battle between your spirit and your flesh. And they say, if, will the bulldog or the German shepherd win in a battle? And they say the one that is best fed is going to win. We need to feed our spirit man. So our spirit man says to our soul, no, this is what you should do. And our soulish man says, you're right. And the flesh is just a little yapper in the background. And it's like, ignore that. You don't see the whole picture, flesh. All you see is your appetite that's right before you. We'll take care of you. You're not going to starve to death. No, you're not stepping outside of marriage. This is supposed to be kept in marriage. No, we're not going to overeat. No, we're not going to drink that. No, you're not going to run and gamble that away for a hope to get out of uh, 20 years of debt you got yourself into by playing one hand of whatever. No, you're not going to do that. No, we're not doing that. Heal. You know what they tell the dog, heal, and the, the dog starts walking, and they stop, and the dog stops. Got to get your flesh trained. Better than a lot of your dogs, because some of your dogs aren't too well trained. You know that. <laughs> just joking, just joking. For you who have dogs, you're like, Pastor, you better watch out. Oh, now I didn't even think about that, but I'm not going there. <laughs> you got a good one. You got a good one. Okay. Are you going to receive the implanted word? God has called you. If so, I want you to stand and say, I receive it. I receive it. The anointed word of God, I receive. God, 
Whatever it is, whatever the details are, I receive it because I can trust you, Lord. you got a call for my life. you got a purpose for me. I'm not just here passing through. There's a purpose. And I'm now here tuning into my spirit as my spirit is tuning into your spirit. And we're going to follow you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just stand before you, Lord. We thank you for your word that has challenged us this night. Lord, we know that your word has challenged us that we should pursue with great, with great joy the building up of our spirit, man. And Lord, we know that we don't understand it, and I'm glad we don't understand it because if we did, we'd probably have already taken the bolts out of it and tried to uh, figure it out and we would have disabled it. But you have a plan to build our spirit up in a language that we don't even have any understanding of. And while our mind does not benefit by praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit, you say, my spirit man does. And my spirit man, birthed and born and given to me out of heaven, it knows the language of heaven. So Lord, I, I commit myself to follow through and pursue the calling, the anointing, and the purpose and the plan that you have for my life as I receive your word that you have called me. I am called. Many are called few are chosen. Lord, I want to be chosen because I choose. I choose your path. I choose your plan and I choose your purpose. Lord, I'm not going to limit that to what I can see with my eyes or understand with my mind. I'm going to lean to your spirit working through my spirit. So Lord, I commit myself. Lord, if I've not if I've not uh, opened my spirit up to the, to the communication of heaven and I'm not uh, receive my prayer language, Lord. I commit myself tonight. Just go ahead and tell him, Lord, that I'm pursuing, I am pursuing the fullness of your spirit in my life. The Bible says that if Father asked his son for bread, he wouldn't give him a stone. And if he asked him for fish, Jesus said, he, would he give him a scorpion? No. And if an earthly father would give good gifts to a son on the earthly realm, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if you've not received the fullness of the Spirit in your prayer, prayer language, make it a point. Make it your commitment that I'm going to ask. And God says, if you will ask, you'll receive if you believe. And then you have to, as they did, begin to speak. Begin to speak. Your mind's not going to profit from it, so don't even get caught up in that, in that argument. You're just going to begin to speak as the Spirit gives the utterance. And you will find, as with any language, as you begin to speak, you may sound like a, an infant in that language in the beginning, just like we did with our English language. But you just continue by faith and say, I know God has chosen this plan to build up my spirit, man. And my spirit needs to hear from the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and my spirit and the Holy Spirit wants to hear from my spirit. And make it a daily part of your time praying in the spirit. That's why he tells us that part of the armor of God, after he put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the belt of truth, and the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith, and your feet preparation with the gospel, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He said, praying always in the spirit. There's your warfare. That's part of your warfare. So let us make this commitment. We receive your word. And Lord God, we're going to build up our spirit, man. We're going to build up our spirit, man, as we pray in the spirit and sing in the spirit. 
as the Apostle Paul so encouraged us to do. And Lord God, we thank you that we'll be walking out the fulfillment of the purpose that you have for us as we do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.